You're tuning into the podcast series, We Talk Cyber with Monica, your platform for engaging discussions and expert opinions on all things cyber. For more information, check out monicatalkcyber.com and let's hop right into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from today. Welcome to today's episode of We Talk Cyber with Monica Verma. This is your host, Monica. Welcome to today's episode. Um, today, we have a wonderful guest with us, um, someone that is an inspiration to me, but also one of the very first people from the cybersecurity community that I got acquainted to when I moved to Norway. One that has been working on this for, uh, working in our industry for more than decades and has been a true inspiration in this in this industry. So we'll switch directly to our guest and we'll be hearing from him. Yeah, nice to meet you all. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, my name is uh, Björn Vatne. I'm uh, currently the uh, Chief Security Officer with uh, Storebrand, uh, which is a uh, insurance company and financial services company here in in Norway. And like uh, Monica said, I'm uh, I'm also very engaged with the um, cybersecurity community in Norway, and I've been on uh, the boards for many years of Norsk Informationssikkerhetsforum and DI Saka Norway chapter, and uh, also involved with Cloud Security Alliance and yes, whatever, whatever cyber. So uh, thank you for having <laughs> right. me. Yeah. You're welcome. It's so wonderful to have you. And as you said, whatever cyber, and that's the beauty of this podcast because we're talking about all things cyber, and would not be the same without having you on as a guest on the podcast. So I'm really, really glad that you could uh, take time to join us today. So we'll be talking today a bit about uh, cyber threat landscape and evolution of cyber threat landscape that has happened over the last decade, let's say. How do you believe, because you have worked in this industry quite a long time now, you have worked over decades. How do you see, has the cyber threat landscape actually evolved in the last decade? Let's just take it from there. Well, it's, I would say that it's, it's evolving with society as a whole. Um, because the um, the digitalization of of society um, mm-hmm. sort of creates uh, the threat landscape. Uh, if we look back, um, yeah, we don't have to go too far back either. It's um, maybe twenty years. Uh, we started to see the first um, online web shops. Uh, usually, you could shop for computer parts because it was mostly computer people that were using the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, there was there was not so much value floating um, mm-hmm. uh, digitally, and pity theft. Uh, the crime rate was low. Uh, we were using it mainly to uh, to swap a little bit of products and services. So mm-hmm. the criminals they were still uh, preferring uh, other arenas. But as we make ourselves increasingly more dependent uh, on the internet and on the cyber universe, uh, the threat landscape evolves with it because mm-hmm. it is uh, it is a clear fact that in every sort of arena where there are values, there will also be uh, criminal elements present uh, trying to gain access to those values in, in unlawful and criminal ways. And um, mm-hmm. as we now put more and more uh, dependencies, uh, more and more value uh, into the digital arenas, um, the threat factors come as well. So uh, it's definitely a different picture. And it's not only the monetary values. Uh, we also uh, put a lot of um, uh, government sort of, uh, well, governing of society uh, through the mm-hmm. digital channels. Uh, we see uh, uh, criminal elements or, or nation states try to um, uh, try to affect elections. Um, you have a dialogue with your 
physician, with your medical doctor, digitally. So, so there is a lot of stuff that we, we use now that um, that might be interesting uh, for other people to use uh, in a bad way. Right, so, right. Absolutely, the threat landscape evolves uh, with the digitalization and the, the increased dependency on, on the cyber universe. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a very good example here, which is the attack of modifying the elections using the attack for that purposes. And also recently, with the pandemic also attacking the health sector and so on. Have you also seen how the attack attack vectors or the TTPs that these attackers use, has that also evolved over time? Is it been a lot of tremendous change or are they still using both the previous ones and new ones at the same time? Yeah, I would say it, it's it is a mix, um, but uh, they will always follow um, follow the crowd. The way that most people interact, uh, this is where they will sort of adjust uh, and tune in. And uh, um, but I think that it, it depends also on the uh, threat actor, uh, what kind of TTPs you will see. Because if you're a nation state, for example, increasingly more uh, of of a country or state governance is, is going digital. And then you have a lot of time. So you will usually see a very stealthy, very sort of uh, uh, thorough, slow um, uh, mapping of, of attack surface. Uh, very sophisticated, slow. taking time yeah. without getting discovered right away. Being stealthy exactly. in that manner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, but then again, you can, you can have uh, like cartels working together. They will spam out emails, trying to infect as many people as possible, do the phishing campaigns. Mm-hmm. Again, they will, um, since people are depending so much on the um, on the digital media uh, for news mm-hmm. uh, and for information, both from, from news agencies, but also from the government, um, whenever there is something new, uh, for example, with the current pandemic, we see that the attackers will uh, jump on that bandwagon immediately. So around mm-hmm. Christmas, there will be a lot of phishing attempts or, or fraud attempts around uh, you have received the package. In the springtime, it will be about your tax returns. Um, mm-hmm. And now with the pandemic, it will be about uh, we have a cure or here you can go to test yourself or, or they will jump on whatever is relevant. And, and um, But I would say it, it's it's um, the TTPs. I mean, if you go back uh, again, uh, 20, 15, 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, most attacks were, were more technical in terms of sort of how they try to gain access. Now they realize that um, the easiest way is to address people. Uh, so, so I would say that it, the attack vectors have turned from trying to attack the systems to rather attract the people, attack people, the people right? using the systems. Sure. But in a way, they are going back to the basics, right? I mean, because you know the concept of con man, right? But well, it's not really correct to say man anymore. But nonetheless, uh, the concept of con man basically was to convince people, gain their trust, and abuse their trust. And we're seeing a lot of that now recently as well, because with this whole attack vector and abusing the human aspect of it, you're basically abusing either the trust or the panic or fishing or exploiting the sign of weaknesses and emotions that humans have and basically exploiting them. Like, as you said, with the pandemic, the reason this is working so well and they're jumping on the bandwagon, as you said, is also because people are panicking and they obviously want to find out, oh, am I infected? How do I fix myself? Can I be immediately make sure that nothing is going to happen to me and so on? And then, and then the, of course, these attackers are then trying to abuse and exploit their panic. And that is that is sort of one one angle because uh, it's not just the um, uh, 
um, the panic and the and the distress because they can also try to do the um, uh, to lure you into being curious. For example, they will send you a mm-hmm. video. Oh, look at what this person did. Uh, this is so crazy. And and right. But there are many emotions that will make people do something, and and fear right. is not the only one. Um, not opportunity correct. is another. Uh, mm-hmm. You have won a prize. Quick here to claim your prize, and people will do that as well. So, right, your Nigerian great 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 grandfather left you a huge estate or something. For example, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, t- we have talked a bit about the attackers' perspective and the TTPs and the what are they thinking and what are they exploiting. How is that affecting the business? How has that changed over the last decade? Well. Um, for the main part of the last decade, I've been in financial services, uh, but obviously I'm, I'm, I'm sort of following the, the, the threats on a broader scale as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, in financial services, we've seen that the uh, cyber domain has uh, risen from being out of the top 20 risks to actually being within the top five uh, mm-hmm. of the operating risk affecting the business. So, so it's definitely changing as well. Uh, there's a lot more focus. Um, there are many, many financial services companies now that have closed down all uh, physical offices and all their businesses run digital. So obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we need to be more robust as well, and we need to have better visibility and detection capabilities as well. So right. the average annual spend on um, cybersecurity uh defense systems um, and, and the resources put into it uh, has multiplied, uh, definitely. Um, but I, I still think there are many, many businesses that even today can ask themselves, are we doing enough? Because um, if you see the uh, the funding that the the bad guys, so to speak, uh, receive, it increases a lot more than the, uh, than the good guys. Uh, yeah, that is actually very true. Because if you look at some of these advanced persistent threats, especially that are targeting the finance sector, because all the money is there, right? And uh, coming from financial sector myself, um, one of the ones that we know very well is Lazarus Group. And they have kind of their like own HR, their own financial services department, because all the money that they gain from these um, attacks and from exploiting the finance sector, they're basically using them for becoming more sophisticated, having other kind of attack factors. And they're kind of like running a whole business in itself for doing this. And then that, from that perspective, it looks like they have enough time. They have, they're getting resources, whether it's monetary or other kind of resources that you need. And then we kind of need to match because we don't have always the same amount of time. Our window is quite shorter in comparison. So what do you recommend? Because you say one of the things that businesses should do is ask, are we doing enough, right? How do you know if you're doing enough? And what do you recommend? Well, it's, um, it's difficult to, to know if you're, if you're doing enough. But, uh, but I think that the... Um, the important thing is to look to someone with the uh, with the right competence because mm-hmm. um, traditionally, if you look at you look at financial services companies again, it, it's 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 easy to talk in the in the sector. But mm-hmm. um, traditionally, you will see that most of the uh, top level executives will be uh, people with um, a financial or degree in finance, uh, maybe in marketing. Uh, they will have long careers, uh, maybe in, in in things like internal audit, like financial mm-hmm. audit, and, and and those kind of things, but. When it comes to technology and um, and the cyber domain, uh, security specifically, there are not so many uh, on the top level. So, in order for them to to um, decide whether they are doing enough, it's very important that they get someone mm-hmm. with the right level of competence to give them advice. Uh, this is a very complex area, 
And uh, you need to be absolutely 100% up to date uh, with the threat uh, picture in order to know mm-hmm. what you're doing enough. Mm-hmm. So, so my recommendation would be um, ensure that someone with the right competence or, or maybe even a, a consultancy or a group of people uh, take mm-hmm. the holistic view of the business, um, uh, the oper- operation of the business to the current uh, threat landscape. Uh, and yeah, uh, the, the known threat actors, the known threat vectors, and then look at your defense mechanisms and then, then make an informal uh, decision based on your risk appetite. But again, um, ask for advice with someone from the um, uh, someone from the industry with the right competence that is i cannot stress mm-hmm. that enough it's it's very right. important not to not to see this as a, as a sci-fi sort of uh, something that happens in the movies because right. as we saw recently with the uh, noskudo uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago with the, the danish uh, mask mask correct uh, it is not uh, science fiction it's very real and and um, Mm-hmm. It's affecting the businesses, it's affecting the society. We are seeing that more often the examples are very realistic. And as you say, it's correct. It's not just sci-fi and technology. Basically, it comes down to security leaders need to have a business acumen and understand and help businesses. What does it mean for them? How does it impact the business? So what I hear from you is that it's not enough for security leaders to just have technical competency, but they need to be able to see the holistic overview and how the cybersecurity field in itself is affecting the society and business. I was more trying to make a point that the um, the business leaders need to uh, have the technical know-how. They need to understand uh, cybersecurity is not something that uh, IT can fix because it it's going to require resources, it's going to require mm-hmm. detection capabilities, and it's going to require... Uh, incident management uh, capabilities, and it's not something that you can you can like uh, make the computer do something and you will be safe. Mm-hmm. You, you need to address like the people, the processes, uh, your value chains, your vendors, partners, all those things, mm-hmm. and to understand how much resources is actually required to get the risk down on an acceptable level. That might be difficult if you're not a uh, a professional in the industry. So. And, but, right. but obviously, the, the security professionals, well, need to understand the business, mm-hmm. the business strategy, the security that you put in place there to support the business. The because business, absolutely. Once you start doing security for security's sake, then you're doing it wrong. You have to to understand the business and to support the mm-hmm. business strategy and the business goals. But but yes, the um, the top management, in order to make informal decisions, they need to uh, to make sure that they get the right competence to evaluate whether or not they are doing enough and and it's it's it can be difficult if you don't understand right the reality of this threat and uh, and we've seen i still believe we see a lot of senior management that still don't grasp the magnitude and the realism of these threats and uh, right. that's what it is spectacular hacks happening because uh, yeah Mm-hmm. And you make a very good, I mean, this is really true what you're saying. And I think what you just explained is also the other side of the same point, because on one hand, the businesses need to, business leader need to understand the technology better and the technical security people need to understand business better. That is the only way you can really start closing the gap, right? Mm. This is really going to help to build the synergies in, in place to be able to, because I build, I am running this business to be secure, said no CEO ever, right? That's, That's not the reason why they're running business in the first place. And we need to be effective and to, uh, to save us some money. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what, what is your prediction for the next years? How do you see 
the threat landscape and the attacks that are happening on the society and on and the business area in general will evolve in the next coming years? Well, um, I'm sorry to say this, and, and especially in the middle of this pandemic, but uh, I believe that it, would, it will get worse before it gets better. Um, mm-hmm. And like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it comes down again to the uh, digitalization uh, of society. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're putting more and more eggs uh, in this basket. And uh, now with the current situation and everyone working from home, there are even more eggs going into the basket. And uh, mm-hmm. the more dependent we make ourselves, uh, the more impact um, attacks uh, will have. And, and the, more, um, the more willing we will be to sort of depart with our money, for example. Uh, and mm-hmm. that is an example of that is, is we see that the hackers are actually targeting the hospitals and the research facilities that are trying to make a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that they do that is that is they know that the entire society is very dependent on both hospitals and and the vaccine research at the moment. So, well, the um, the chance that someone might actually pay them a ransom might be higher there because people are so dependent on it. And right. So, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, but I, I believe that it will get a little bit uh, worse still before it gets better. It's important to have. It's not. It's not so much about being pessimistic, but realistic, right? It's good to have an understanding of how it can get worse, and if it does get worse, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for my business, and what does it mean for my employees, and from a society perspective as well? And how does it affect? Because this example with the healthcare and the vaccines. This is not just anymore a sector. This is actually affecting the whole society. It is at a very systemic level. So yeah, it is. It it if we don't understand the uh, the extent to which it can go and in which direction it can go, then it's very difficult for us to be prepared and have the right posture in place to be able to defend and also recover in a way from such a scenario. Yeah, and, and, and also we see that uh, at the moment we're putting a lot of energy into design, into functionality. You can see the, the, the apps that we're creating to track the spreading of the virus, for example. So, so a lot is going into design and functionality, and uh, not so much is going into privacy and security. Um, and that is actually creating a gap, and mm-hmm. uh, we need to start bridge that gap. And until we start bridging that gap, mm-hmm. things will become worse. So that is the uh, that is the scenario that I see at least for the foreseeable future. Wonderful, I think it's really really good to know and understand these things and have a realistic understanding of where we're going forward to be able to position ourselves better and defend ourselves better and as you say bridge the gap to actually also think about privacy and security. It was so lovely Bjorn to have you on the podcast today. Always wonderful hearing your ideas and how you challenge uh, the society because this is really important to get better. So um, that was all for today's episode of We Talk Cyber with Monica. I'll be back with more episodes. Please stay tuned. Until then, take care of yourself. Thanks for tuning in to We Talk Cyber with Monica. Do not forget to subscribe to We Talk Cyber in your favorite podcast app and YouTube channel, Monica Talk Cyber. Take care and continue tuning in.